Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Today on Legally Us, Raquel Levis skips the court case against Sheena Shea. Plus, Prince Harry submits a witness statement slamming the royal family. Gwyneth Paltrow's ski accident case continues. And Meghan King and Jim Edmonds' custody battle rages on. We've got that plus so much more on today's Legally Us. Everyone, welcome to Legally Us. I'm Christina. That's Nima Romani, president of West Coast Trial Lawyers. Hi, Nima. How are you? Hi, Christina. Doing great. Had a great day in court today. I was going to say, fresh off a big legal win um, in the case with Sheena Shea. Let's get right into it. So Raquel, obviously, as we know, she filed this restraining order against Sheena, but she skipped the court hearing. But a source does tell us on Raquel's side that Sheena and her attorney, Nima, were notified from the reunion to emails that Raquel wasn't moving forward with the restraining order. The court was notified by Raquel's counsel that we were not attending and are not moving forward. And we had filed the paperwork request by the court clerk, which is stamped received. Their attendance was to grandstand, which was predictable, but at least he finally admits there was physicality involved and Raquel stands by her initial statement that Sheena punched her in the face, supported by photos of a bruised eyebrow bone and slashed eyebrow, not the dark circles that Sheena is trying to deflect. So I want to get your response to that um, before we kind of dive into everything. Christina, so much misinformation to unpack here. Mm -hmm. This is California law. You can't just drop a permanent restraining order hearing when you file documents under penalty of perjury. You can't dismiss it. You can't drop it. The hearing was still on calendar. That's California law. That's confirmed by the court and the court's clerk. So today we had to show up. We couldn't risk Raquel showing up and us not being there to defend the restraining order hearing without Sheena. So we did show up and we waited. The judge didn't dismiss the case because Raquel had said anything, because Raquel's lawyer had filed anything. We waited almost an hour and the hearing was scheduled for 8.30. When it was 9.20, the judge took the bench. She said, it's been 50 minutes. I don't see Raquel. I don't see her lawyer. I'm dismissing the case. It had nothing to do with anything other than Raquel not showing up today. And that hearing was absolutely on calendar. So anything that Raquel or her lawyer said to the contrary, that's just absolutely not true. Right. So them saying that it's grandstand that you were there, you had to be there to show up and to defend your case in case that she did show up. Absolutely. I mean, Sheena or I had to be there. We both decided to be there. Sheena feels very strongly about this case. I certainly could have represented her as her attorney, but she has taken a personal interest in this case. She felt violated. And today, finally, she felt vindicated when it was clear that 
there was no evidence of violence or threats of violence. And the judge said, well, look, if Sheena is here, the petitioner, right, which is Raquel, the burden is on her. She has to prove all these allegations. If she's not going to show up, I'm going to dismiss the case. So what happens now? This just kind of goes away. Raquel and Sheena, if they wanted to, they could be in the same room. They could go back to communicating if they chose to do so. Exactly. The restraining order is gone. Communication is okay. They can be as close to each other as they want. I can tell you, Sheena wants nothing to do with Raquel. So I don't think she's going to be anywhere near her. And I think some of the other cast members feel the same way, but the restraining order is completely gone. And that's important because, I mean, we saw it with the reunion show. How can you possibly film a reality TV show when one of the cast members has to be a hundred yards away from another cast member their place of work, their home, their vehicle. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. How was, like you said, Sheena feels vindicated, but how was she feeling during, while she was in court and how did she feel afterwards? I mean, she felt confident because I was very confident. I've been saying the whole time that this is a frivolous, non-meritorious petition. Obviously, Raquel and her lawyers, I believe, saw the writing on the wall. They were going to lose if they showed up and that's why they backed down. Now, they couldn't back down before today's hearing. Um, They said, you know, they're going to drop it and dismiss it. But really, none of that matters. The only thing that matters was would they show up in court today? And they didn't. So the case is over. No, definitely. Um, I believe that in when the source told us weekly that um, that that you finally admitted that there was physicality involved and Raquel stands by her initial statement. So what exactly did they mean by that? I know I believe in, in the statement that you said that Sheena did admit to pushing her, but that was after Raquel grabbed her wrist. Look, well, we've always wanted to be honest and transparent about what happened. We intended to do so at today's hearing, but there was no punch. Mm-hmm. Punch never happened. Those dark circles under Raquel's eyes, those have been there for months. She just has that discoloration. I know lots of fans of the, of the show have messaged and commented, uh, mm-hmm. pointing all that out. Mm-hmm. You know, And with respect to the push, Sheena did push Raquel, but it was after Raquel grabbed her wrist. It was a reasonable force. It was necessary. I mean, look, Sheena is at best, at best, maybe 5'5". Five, five. You know, Raquel, 5'10". She's wearing heels. You know, for Raquel to argue that Sheena could even punch her in the eye or, you know, cut her eyebrow. I mean, that's just absolute inconsistent with the height differential and the size differential of these two women. So, yeah. Sheena did push Raquel off her, but there was no concussion. I mean, everything, the brain injury, everything that Raquel said was a gross, gross exaggeration of what happened. And most importantly, it's not a basis for a restraining order. This isn't a reality TV show. This is real life. This is something for actual victims of violence, domestic violence, workplace violence, elder abuse, child abuse. It's not because two friends had an argument um, outside of New York bar. So it really was a gross abuse of our system of justice. Raquel filing the police report, getting those medical records, filing this petition. I mean, it really, there's real victims that need help, not uh, Raquel Levis. No, definitely. So what's next for Sheena? What is she, is she looking forward to uh, the future without Raquel? (laughs) Well, she definitely doesn't want anything to do with Raquel. And then she has potential legal claims against Raquel. I don't know if she's going to pursue them, but that would be potential defamation or malicious prosecution, abusive process. Um, really, that's up to Sheena. But regardless of what she does, I'm going to be here by her side, defending her like I have been the past several weeks. Definitely. If she did, like you said, wanted to pursue something else, defamation, what exactly could happen to Raquel in this case then? 
Yeah, I mean, it would be a civil lawsuit, be, you know, no different from, you know, Johnny Depp or, you know, Prince Harry or any of the other types of cases that we've been covering here on the show. So she'd file a lawsuit, she'd serve Raquel, and then we'd have to litigate this issue. You know, what happened here and were Raquel's comments, were they defamatory? Mm -hmm, Definitely. Well, Nima, congratulations on another big win and for breaking it all down. I know, like you said, a lot of people in our comments were, they saw those dark circles and then weren't really buying Raquel's story. So it seems like Raquel wanted to, uh, to dismiss this as well. So glad it all worked out. Um, Let's move on to Prince Harry, because um, this is interesting. We talked about this last week, but he submitted a witness statement in which he was made, which he said that he was made to adopt his family policies and never complain, never explain. He made a surprise visit to London to attend the court hearing, which I don't think a lot of people expected. And he said that he became aware that he had a claim against news group newspapers over phone hacking that he could bring in 2018. He said the institution was without a doubt withholding information from me for a long time about NGN's phone hacking. And that has only become clear in recent years as I have pursued my own claim with different legal advice and representation. He added that it's not an exaggeration to say that the bubble burst in terms of what he knew when he stepped down from the uh, royal family back in 2020. Um, As we said last week, he is suing the Associated Newspapers for misrepresenting him in an article last February. They said that they tried to put a PR spin on his fight with um, with the British government. So were you surprised that Harry flew to London to be present for this since it's not on trial yet? I'm not surprised. And if you care about a case, it doesn't matter whether it's Sheena Shea today or Prince Harry or even Gwyneth Paltrow. You have to show up. So, you know, not showing up is a very easy way to lose your case. So and the prince feels very strongly about the British tabloid. So what we're dealing with now isn't the actual trial we're dealing with some kind of nuanced uh, procedural pre-trial issues. So I'm going to break them down so folks can understand what's going on. You know, one of the biggest issues is why did the prince wait so long to bring these claims, right? If this happened more than a decade ago, why is he filing now? Why is everyone, you know, Elton John, Liz Hurley, all these British celebrities doing it now? So the prince's argument is that the institution, that's what he calls the royal family, basically kept him in the dark. He didn't have information about these claims because they did not want to sue um, the British tabloids. So that's going to be his argument as to why there was a delay in bringing this case. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So will this witness statement, will this make a difference in anything? As a professional welder, Shayna Ford uses Forge FX to practice over and over, which helps her improve her skills. The more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I normally find bras to be so uncomfortable and constricting, but Skims has changed that. You know I love Skims underwear, so I finally tried their bras, and Skims has delivered again. Skims bras are worth the hype for the amazing shape and support they give, but what I wasn't expecting was how comfortable they are too. I've tried so many bras in the past, and the main issue that I have is that they weren't supportive enough, to the point where they felt slouchy. I love my Skims wireless form bra because it's so comfortable and supportive. The older I get, the more I care about actually being comfortable in what I wear every day. And with my wireless form bra, I no longer have to sacrifice my comfort for the support I need. Shop Skims Bras at skims.com, now available in 62 sizes, 30A to 46H. Plus, get free shipping on all orders over $75. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select Podcast in the survey, and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. 
I think so. I mean, there's some really important pretrial matters that are happening right now. One is, of course, the prince's testimony. But the other issue is there was an inquiry, essentially a public investigation there in the UK. It was about, I think, 2011 or 2012. It was the Levinson inquiry, the Levinson inquiry. And what happened there was um, there was this body, this judicial body, they investigated these allegations and they told the British press that if you provide information voluntarily, it will be confidential. But now the plaintiffs in the case, such as Prince Harry, want to use the information that the tablets provided this inquiry in their civil defamation case. And the judge is going to need to rule, is this okay? They provided information with understanding to be confidential. It wouldn't be used against them, but can it be used against them now? Interesting. And it's also interesting that he's kind of slamming his family and all of this as well, saying they kind of covered things up um, in benef- to benefit the tabloids, which I mean, not surprising, but just a, another interesting little tidbit. So what do you foresee happening if this does go to trial? And do you see this going to trial then? I think it will go to trial because this is a, isn't a case about money, right? This is a case about sending a message. And we know how the prince and his wife feel about the tabloids, especially there in the UK. So we have always said, sometimes the best defense is a good offense. And I think this is the type of case that you want to go after the tabloids aggressively if you're the prince to try to get them off your back. Definitely. All right, let's move on over to Gwen Paltrow because this is turning into quite the trial. Um, so um, she was seen maybe laughing and smiling during Terry Sanderson's testimony on March 27th. He is, of course, suing her for the 2016 skiing accident after um, she allegedly crashed into him. He recalled seeing clear signs that said to slow down and noted that he veered to the right to try to avoid the crowd of skiers. He said that uh, there was nothing in front of him as he skied. He said, I just remember everything was great. And then I heard something I've never heard at a ski resort. And that was blood curdling scream. This is just kind of getting um, a little bit crazy to watch. He's uh, He originally sued Gwyneth for $3.1 million back in January of 2019, three years um, after the incident occurred. She is now only seeking $300,000 in damages. She countersued um, asking for a dollar, $1 in damages. But what overall, what do you make of this trial, watching uh, some of these clips or even watching it live? Yeah, Christina, I've been covering this trial live. So, I mean, I've seen all the witness testimony and there's so much to uh, really unpack here. But here's the most important thing. Sometimes you can reconcile you know, different witness testimony or accounts of what happened, but not in this case. I mean, I mean, on one hand, you have someone like Sanderson who was saying he was down the hill and Paltrow slammed into him. And then Gwyneth is saying, no, 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 I was down the hill watching my kids and you slammed into me. It's like me saying that, Christina, you rear-ended me and you saying, no, Nima, you rear-ended me. It's impossible for both of these to be true. So, you know, now you start looking at some of the independent witnesses and, and as well as the parties themselves. So you have a Sanderson who has one really important independent witness. His name is Craig Roman. He was a friend that sort of saw what happened, that backs his account of what happened. But just yesterday, he was essentially caught in a lie or maybe an inconsistent statement. He testified that he didn't know that the crash involved Gwyneth Paltrow. But there was a viewer who was watching the trial that actually pulled up some messages online where it was clear that uh, Ramon knew that Paltrow was involved in the accident. And there's a couple other things that Sanderson did that I think undermined his credibility. He took a happy selfie on a toboggan after the injury, right? He's claiming, you know, broken ribs and this brain injury. And he also emailed his daughters and said, I'm famous. 
So I think for those reasons, if you're kind of weighing the testimony, I think Paltrow is ahead. Not to mention the fact that jurors just love celebrities. Yeah, that's kind of seems like that Reddit thread, that email may come back and uh, bite him. So overall, I mean, I know that she's only seeking one dollar in damages, but I think she's I think we said last week that she's asking for him to pay his her legal fees. So the amount could definitely add up for him. It can, you know, a lot of people say, you know, why is Gwyneth Paltrow even spending, you know, a couple of weeks in Utah on this trial? She's worth more than $200 million, you know, because that's not what Sanderson asked for more than 3 million because of a hit and run. And the judge said, there's really no evidence of a hit and run. I'm not going to give you punitive damages. I'm just going to get you your compensatory damages, your medical bills, your pain and suffering. So we're really talking about a few hundred thousand dollars, which in the big scheme of things for people like us, it might be a lot, but not for Gwyneth Paltrow. But this is one of those Prince Harry cases where she wants to send a message. She thought that she's being shaken down by this guy and this didn't happen and he hit her and now he's trying to blame her. So, I mean, she's kind of dug her heels in and it's really not about the money. You know, maybe she'll get her attorney fees back, but she wants to teach Sanderson a lesson. Seems like he may be taught a lesson after all. All right, let's move on over to Megan King because we've talked about this couple before, but they are going back and forth on their uh, custody arrangement. He wants to modify their custody arrangement. She told us that she's been the primary parent and single mother of her children for six years years. He and his team's wild claims are untrue. And anyone who is close to, with me or my children can attest to that. He basically is saying that their agreement um, is impractical, impractical, unworkable. They said that um, that she is providing an unstable, unfit and unwilling to co-parent environment. And then she is unable to provide an environment for the children that is emotionally and physically safe. So does this seem like this type of co-parenting is sustainable because their current setup is basically that they each submit their custody schedule 30 days in advance. And if they agree on their days for the month or until a parent coordinator intervenes, it seems like this is probably a lot of work. (laughs) It really is. And it doesn't make any sense, Christina. I got to tell you, I usually don't see custody arrangements like this. You know, it's usually every weekend, every other weekend. I mean, kids need consistency, not every 30 days you're fighting over which day you're going to have the kids. And then you have to have this sort of mediator come in. It doesn't make sense. You're continuing to fight over days and weeks of custody. They should sit down. If they can agree, great. If not, the court should get involved. The judge should get involved and say, Hey, this is what we're doing. Three days on three days off, whatever the case may be. So the kids and the parents have some sort of consistent custody arrangement and they're not going back and forth. Is it surprising that the uh, court hasn't gotten involved in this yet? When two, when two parents or co-parents can't come to any sort of resolution, how does the court intervene in that case? Yeah, that's when the lawyers file their petitions, right, and ask the judge to get involved. And that's really what's happening here. Usually, courts won't get involved. The parents can agree to some sort of custody arrangement. And I mean, they had this sort of weird arrangement that they agreed on. Clearly not working. It's time to get the court involved and find something permanent. Right. I mean, how can he prove that her environment is not emotionally or physically safe? I mean, those are pretty um, strong accusations to make. Yeah, they are. And I don't know if they're true or not, because we see that a lot in these custody Mm -hmm. cases. We know, I mean, we cover them here every week. These Mm -hmm. divorce cases can get nasty, nastier than any criminal case even. So the gloves come off and when you're dealing with an ex-husband or wife, then that may be what's happening here. Definitely. Well, I mean, what do you think the outcome will be in this? Like you said before, a judge could rule three days on, three days off. It seems like, like you said, having a little bit more consistency. 
I think that structure is what we're going to see. Christina, a judge is going to get involved and say, this doesn't make sense to be fighting about the same issue every 30 days. I'm going to come up with something that's fair. I'm going to come up with something that's even. And most importantly, I'm going to come up with something that's consistent. And that's what I expect to see the path moving forward. All right. All right. Well, Nima, thank you so much as always. And a big congrats again. Um, and make sure to keep commenting, keep subscribing. I know you guys have a lot to say about all of these stories. So we'd love to see it. And we'll see you guys next week.